Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Jealousy can be psychologically and spiritually devastating if it goes unchecked, but that doesn't have to be the case. How can we detect jealousy before the damage is done? What role does social media play in worsening these feelings? And how can we remove jealousy from our hearts and protect ourselves from feeling it again? Welcome to another episode of Double Take, a podcast by Yaqeen Institute about the questions and ideas around Islam and Muslims that give us pause. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you like what you hear or want to share some feedback, you can let us know directly using the link in the show notes. This episode is the second of a two-part series with Sister Sarah Sultan and Sister Najwa Awad, co-authors of the Yaqeen Institute paper, Why is Everyone's Life Better Than Mine? Protecting Yourself from the Dangers of Comparison. In part one, we talked about what jealousy is, what causes it, and its psychological and spiritual harms. You can check out the episode before or after you listen to this one. Enjoy the conversation. Sister Sarah and Sister Najwa, assalamu alaikum. Thank you very much for rejoining. You did a fantastic job in explaining how cognitive distortion of disqualifying positives can fuel our feelings of jealousy. Essentially, it causes us to view ourselves, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the world in a way that diminishes the good and highlights the bad. Am I right on that? Yeah, absolutely. Good summary, mashallah. If jealousy is so common, I think it's fair to say that we've all experienced it, even if we didn't notice. Uh, do you have any advice on detecting jealousy within ourselves? What does it look like? How do I know that I'm actually feeling jealous? Now, something that I, I like to work with um, with a lot of my clients, whether they have jealousy or not, is kind of like a, a, burst, a personal barometer um, and and checking in with yourself um, throughout the day. So like say zero is like no stress at all and 10 is the worst you can possibly feel. Um, and especially when like scrolling on social media, being aware of that barometer um, because, you know, it's so easy to kind of just scroll and it's just like really mindless consumption. Um, but in the background, sometimes we don't realize that you know, we're starting to have these difficult feelings like, oh, I, you know, I, I should be working out more or, uh, I, I, you know, I should be, I should be reading more. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Um, and, and so being aware of those feelings as they creep up and when it becomes like a, um, an everyday kind of practice or routine, it's very easy for you to be like, oh, you know what? Like, I feel like I'm going up on a three or a four. What's causing me stress right now? And then how can I really reel it back in? Social media is it's supposed to be a very enjoyable uh, experience, right? Like you connect with with family, with friends, you check up on people. Um, but when it's starting to cause discomfort or you find yourself not being able to pull away um, or you're kind of like really picking on someone, because like, you know, in, in real life, you can't stare at somebody too much, right? You can't, uh, it, it'll cause problems or you can't ask similar questions. But on social media... It's kind of like fair, you know, people will look at profiles over and over. And so when you find yourself having that like repetitive behavior or something that, you know, if an outsider was looking in, uh, wouldn't be socially appropriate. Those are all warning signs that, you know, perhaps jealousy is kicking in and, and maybe the, the consumption of social media is, is not being healthy anymore. 
And I, you know, I, I love that barometer idea. Um, it's a little similar to something that, that I often do for myself and, and for my, for my clients is like, it's kind of an emotional check-in before and after. So before you go onto social media and after you've been on, right? Like a lot of times if you are scrolling endlessly, like you leave with this kind of sick pit in your stomach that number one, you wasted all this time. And number two, how did everything that you saw that you were looking at and judging yourself through, how did that make you feel? But then also not just social media, but the people that you spend time with. So when you are with a particular group of friends or with a particular person before and after, how do you feel when you're in this person's company? How do you feel about yourself after you've left this person's company or this group of people? Um, because, you know, socially, we are almost taught that it's not acceptable to be vulnerable with each other. So everybody puts on kind of this front, like this facade to try and look the best they can in front of people. And finding that tight-knit group of people where you can trust each other enough to be vulnerable is so powerful in making you feel okay, in making you feel okay about your life and in, um, and in just feeling feeling good um, about uh, about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them because you see that it's not perfect because they were vulnerable enough to to say that. So paying attention, that emotional barometer, like um, like Nedge was saying, I think is really important. Exactly. And, and, and just to, to add to that, something um, interesting, you know, with COVID and all of us being at home more um, and probably having more online consumption, you know, Sar brings up a good point. Research has found that when people are connected to other people on social media, they are less likely um, to to take the time to check up on them or to speak with them in, in person uh, because you're already getting like these updates. But what we're missing is when we're in person, um, you're getting a more authentic and fuller version of that person. Um, because on social media, people just put like all the positive highlights, all the good things and accomplishments. But when you're in real life with most people, there's, there's certainly people that, you know, there's a facade, but when you're with your friends, you get that fuller picture where it's like, oh, you know, like I, I'm, I'm struggling getting to, uh, with my kids or yeah, you know, we were hit hard with COVID the other week. And, and so you see that, you know, uh, you see people in a, in a fuller light, um, and, uh, that's something that we were missing because a lot of our communication, a lot of our interactions has been artificial. It's, it's really through, um, through social media and, and that really distorts reality. Absolutely. I always say that you can have thousands of people at your fingertips with social media and feel so lonely. And I think it's such a, such a strange thing for our times that we feel like we're more connected because that's what social media is supposed to do. But actually we're more disconnected because, you know, we only get little tidbits of, of people and we don't get to know them beyond a superficial level. And so it can feel really, really lonely. You know, it's a feeling like double take has, uh, has a vendetta against social media. Cause like literally every episode, somehow it, the solution is cut social media. Like when we're talking about Quran, and connecting with the Quran, cut social media. It's, it's, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, the more I, I think about the solutions for jealousy, the more I think of, um, a hadith, uh, of the Prophet. Like normally the Prophet, when someone would come to him and ask for advice, he would, he would give them advice specific to that person because he would know their condition. So he would tell someone, you know, don't get angry, la taghdab. He would tell someone else. Someone would come to him and say, Ya Rasulullah, al-sini, sallam. And he would say, uh, for example, uh, uh, be good to your spouse or someone else, pray to Hajjud. 
Um, but there was a particular moment where the Prophet ﷺ actually proactively went to everyone and he said, uh, who is going to take this piece of advice from me and act upon them? Uh, it's a famous hadith where Abu Huraira describes it and Abu Huraira said, yes, I'll take the advice, just give it to me. The Prophet ﷺ took Abu Huraira's hand and gave him five pieces of advice. And uh, two of which I feel um, address the topic of jealousy. And I, I'd love your thoughts on them. And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ittaqil maharim takun nas to be the best worshipper of Allah, be conscious of your evil actions. Fine. Um, but then he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to be the wealthiest person in this life, uh, be content with what Allah has given you. And so there's a direct correlation with feeling that sense of um, gratitude uh, and, and you're, you're feeling the wealthiest you know, of, of people. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, and, and I'll finish here at the third one instead of um, continuing. The third one, the Prophet ﷺ said, He defined that to be a true Muslim and to be counted amongst the Muslims, you have to love for others what you love for yourself. Um, now, there are two big claims. Being, feeling that sense of contentment, being happy with what Allah has given you, and loving for others what you love for yourself. They're advice from the Prophet ﷺ. But to be honest, the more I hear you guys talk about this concept of jealousy, the more I feel like, yes, I want to do these things and love for others what I love for myself, and I want to be more content with my life. But the more I hear this topic, the more I feel like it's actually, there's something much deeper going on. So with that said, can you help me understand how I can address jealousy in my heart and in my life? Yeah, there, there's a lot of different strategies in coping with, um, with jealousy. And I would say one of the first places to start, we talked a lot about, um, self-esteem in, in the first episode. Um, you know, we know that, uh, self-esteem can, uh, lead to, to jealousy. It's kind of like the gasoline with the fire. Um, and so, when we have, uh, when, when someone has low self-esteem, again, they look at everything that, um, people have better things than them. Uh, but do, go, looking inward and starting to focus on what are my strengths? What are good traits that I have? What are some, um, uh, good things about me? You know, ultimately Allah put me here for a purpose. He put me here for a purpose to worship Him. But, he created me and I have a purpose in this world. And so, you know, maybe this person on social media, their purpose is, I don't know, to have a lot of wealth and to, to donate it. Or maybe this person's a very good teacher. But why did Allah put me here, you know, to, to worship him? But what positive traits do I have? How can I further his cause? What good things have been given to me? So looking at the positive things a person has, uh, because it will never be like somebody else. You will never have two identical people with the same trajectory ever. And so knowing that, like, you are special, like you were created in a certain way with certain unique characteristics and nobody else can fulfill what you are, are meant to fill. Um, so identifying those positive characteristics 
And then we all have weaknesses. And I know it kind of sounds like counterintuitive. Why, why would we even bring up weaknesses in this, um, in this discussion? But sometimes highlighting, you know, things that you would like to get better on, not looking at them with shame or that, you know, these are beating yourself up, uh, beating yourself about something saying, these are things that I really don't like. But, you know, taking things that you would like to work on, but turning them into goals. When you turn them into goals, now you're creating, you're creating action items. And we know that um, one of the ways to help self-esteem is to have a sense of mastery over something. To, to, to have, you know, sometimes when we have obstacles, it deters us. But when we have obstacles and then we decide to go and, and overcome them, that actually helps with self-esteem. It's like, oh, oh, I did it. You know, like I didn't think I could do it. Um, or this thing that I wasn't really good at before, now I'm, I'm doing better in it. Um, so to taking those things, um, you know, say for example, like you're spending a lot of time on social media and, um, you're really struggling with all these happy couples, right? Um, you can turn that into a goal. You can, I'm not completely satisfied in my marriage right now. How can I make it better? Not like, oh, you know, I, I feel so bad. Like my marriage is awful. My husband is, but how can I make it better? So now you're starting to work towards something, um, something good. And then, you know, having a, a positive mindset, you know, using affirmations like, inshallah, I can do it, you know, with the power of dua and my hard work, uh, I can do it. I have the same amount of time as anybody else has. Um, I can turn things around uh, because when we have that mindset, we know that whatever you practice um, becomes easier. If you practice jealousy and you practice things that are not good for you, those things become easier and easier because of those neural pathways we talked about in episode one. But when we practice good, um, any of those habits, the more we practice them, the easier, the easier, um, they become. So, you know, starting out with self-esteem is, uh, is, is a great way to, um, to help overcome jealousy. It's such, such beautiful advice, Mashallah. I love that. Like Nedjwa, you just gave like a step-by-step process to figure out this really, really painful and and difficult emotion. And when you were talking, I was like, okay, the question that popped into my head was instead of why me, right? Because a lot of times jealousy comes from that place of like, why me? Why not them? Or why did she get it and not me? So why not me? Right. And instead of that, like, just like what you were saying, instead focus on what now, right? So like, there's this concept, one of the antidotes to jealousy is number one, acceptance, right? Accept the fact that your life is not going to be perfect. Accept the fact that people will be better at certain things than you will be. That somebody might be more beautiful than you. That somebody might be capable of something that you might not be capable of or not as capable of. And that's okay, right? Because like Najwa was saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you your own particular strengths. And maybe, maybe you're judging your strengths and your attributes based on the ideal that you want of another person's life. But that's not that's not the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you. And that's not the life he gave you. He gave you your own life with its own focus, with its own strengths and with its own capabilities. And one of the rewards of this kind of acceptance, right? You get this sense of contentment. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about contentment, he talks about an nafs al-mutma'inna, right? Like the satisfied soul, the soul that is content. And the result of that contentment is contentment in this life and contentment in the next life where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be pleased with you and you will be pleased with Allah because of the reward that he's giving you, right? So that acceptance leads to that contentment and it leaves space because think about how much energy are we exerting in jealousy? How much energy are we wasting in wishing that our lives were different? 
Instead, channel that energy towards something proactive, right? Like how can I take a step, one step today that will make my life better than it is right now, right? What is one small thing that I can do so that tomorrow I feel a little bit better? In one year from now, there's a positive change, right? Something within your control, something actionable um, that can inshallah lead to that change. So instead of that, why me? Instead, it's what now, right? What can I do differently? You know, something, Sarah, that you said that reminded me of um, uh, a book I was listening to, um, you know, I, by, by Gary Bishop. He was saying that, you know, with, with social media, um, you're kind of just consuming everything, right? Even things that you're not interested in. And he said, you know, it's important to make a conscientious decision of the things that you want to commit to and the things you don't want to. So, for example... So you're scrolling through social media and you see somebody with like six pack abs, right? He said, you know, at that point, you need to ask yourself, is this something I even want? Because remember, like this is kind of, it's, it's creating impressions in, in our brain. And if the answer is no, then it's not something that you seek after. Because like you said, it takes emotional energy for you to be like, oh, well, I wish I looked like that. I wish I, you know, uh, I looked a certain kind of way, but he's like, do you, do you want to work out in the gym three hours, four hours every day? Do you want to eat a certain kind of diet and not be able to eat other things? If that's the case, then let it go. Like make a decision that, you know what, this is actually something I don't want. Maybe it's nice for somebody else. It's not something I want. Or he talked about like wealth. You know, if you see someone with abundance of, of wealth, you know, everybody likes that. Um, and so he's like, you know, think about it. Do you want to work 80 hours in the office every week? Do you want to? If you do, go ahead and do it. No problem. But if you don't, then almost like clear that energy out of your brain. Make a decision of like, I've done that for this other person. I am actually content. I am satisfied with what I have. And so when we're bombarded with all these things that we should have, that we should buy, that we should be doing, um, and we decide, you know what? Like, I'm happy with what I have. Um, you're clearing up the space to, first of all, that negative uh, energy that you're wasting, desiring things that you actually don't even really want in the first place. But then you also free up that time to be able to work on the things that you actually do want. You know, I also, um, like I want to think of people as well, not just like us, but those who are much worse off than us. Um, and normally what I do to try to kind of make sense of something is, is put myself in other people's shoes. And if I look at someone who's on like, say $2 a day, um, or two dollars a month, for that matter. Can does this advice apply to them? And one thing that I feel like is missing, and I, I, it, I mean, we're going to get to it anyway, but I, I want to kind of bring it to the fore now, is that the great equalizer, like this life is is unjust, and this life, you know, you could never, you can never achieve everything, and you can never get what the next person has because then the next person will have more. Like there's, you're just chasing after more and more but the great equalizer is the akhirah um, and at the end of the day the hereafter is where there's the ultimate justice and ultimate contentment so mm. what puts me and someone on two dollars a day on a level playing field or for that matter a single mom who's struggling every single day and you know is is this concept of the akhirah and back to what we were saying in um, part one of this episode, uh, two things. One thing was the Prophet ﷺ's advice of not 
not looking at those who are better off, but looking at those who are worse off because it's it's clean, cleaner for the heart. Um, but also, uh, the the hereafter is where we're going to get the ultimate justice, and just our sheer effort in this life is what matters. It's not what we attain. It's just the amount of effort that we exert for Allah's pleasure that is actually um, uh, leading to a better hereafter. So you mind just talking, because you, you mentioned it in your paper, and and I feel like we need to bring it to the fore, this concept of the akhirah. Absolutely. Jazakallah khair for that um, beautiful reminder. MashaAllah, you know, when, when you were speaking, the first thing that came into my mind was the idea of how one of the guarantees of life and one of the promises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that we're going to be tested. And that's the reality of life. And what a lot of times we don't realize is that if, you know, if we are going through something really difficult, right? Um, let's say somebody is going through a very hard divorce situation, right? Or difficulty finding a spouse. And this is something that I talk to my clients a lot about. That is in and of itself a test, right? But also keep in mind that like somebody who has a really wonderful marriage or who is very wealthy or who seems to, you know, everything just lines up in their life perfectly, right? That is also a test. It's a test of ease. And every, so every person's particular circumstances are a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's just that we look at the, the tests of hardship and that's what we focus on. And we wonder, why am I going through all this hardship? This person's not being tested by Allah. But that person is being tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we don't know how we would fare in that test if we were in their shoes, right? And so that person who's very wealthy, every dollar they spend, they're going to be held to account in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that dollar. Versus somebody who has $2 a month, they're going to be held to account in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for how they spent that. But likely that $2 is being spent for survival. They don't have to worry about, about accountability for that versus a person who's very wealthy, right? So I think having that perspective of how each of these circumstances in my life or what I'm looking it's at. someone's test. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now that's, that's awesome. Zakla khair. Yeah. yeah, and and knowing that everything we do accumulate in, in in this dunya ultimately is going to is going to perish, like you said, you know, um, the equalizer of of you know first um, when we die, but then the day of judgment where everything is um, sorted out, and so you know in this culture that we have of just accumulating more and more and more, um, knowing that that it's your good deeds that are going to last, um, and subhanallah when we take the time. Uh, if we spend as much time as uh, as we are amassing these these goods and these things that other people have, whether we want them or not, um, and but taking that same amount of time and and trying to accumulate good deeds, um, uh, whether um, you know we're helping those who are are less fortunate um, or just even our our own families, but those deeds are the ones that are going to to last, and you know. Um, Speaking of the less fortunate, you know, they found that people who volunteer um, and and uh, help out people who have less than them, um, it helps with their own mental health. And we don't do it for our own mental health. But why is this? Because, you know, the Prophet said that it's better to look to people who have less than us, lest we, you know, um, discount Allah's favors. So we're kind of, you know, we're putting ourselves in a situation where we're interacting with others um, and, and we're helping um, and it really does, really does provide that perspective 
of, um, of, of, um, not just, you know, accumulating, but just mindfulness, being present, being aware of reality, not the fake stuff that we see on social media, but the, the reality that people don't have, um, a lot. It really does make a, di- a big difference in, in terms of how we treat our families and just go about our day to day, um, when we see people who are struggling. Yeah. And it, and it helps put everything in, in terms of like the big picture, right? Where you're looking at things from a big picture lens so that when you do scroll through social media and you see somebody and you, you wonder, you know, wow, like not realizing they're using a filter or something like that. Why can't I look like her? Why can't I look like him or whatever the, the, the thing, the thought that arises is instead you can ask yourself, but you know, like in terms of the big picture, in terms of the reality of, of life and the akhirah, will it matter if I do look like this person, like in the hereafter, right? Like, will that matter in the long run? That's a very hard thing to do in the moment, but because you have like this emotion that comes up, but, but if you can, all of a sudden, it's almost like it snaps you out of it where it's like, oh, actually that doesn't, that doesn't really matter. So why am I feeling upset about it? If in the long run, that won't benefit me and that doesn't matter at all. Um, so if I w- if I was to summarize, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so some of the, some of the, I guess, strategies, uh, in order to address jealousy in my heart and my life, uh, one is, is generally to have a positive mindset. So, you know, if you see something that you, you really want, ask yourself, do you actually really, really want it? Um, and, and don't think of, okay, why is it absent in my life? And if it is absent in my life to put it like a, a positive, spin on it and and uh, turn it into a positive action you know how, what can i do in my life to improve this particular aspect that i that i want so one is the positive mindset if i'm not mistaken the other one is this concept of comparing um so comparing less especially to those who are better off in this life um and i guess social media falls in that if i'm again if i'm not mistaken and then the third one is uh the perspective, just focus on the akhirah and remember that every single person is facing a challenge in this life. And you might see something on social media um, that looks like something that you want, but know that that person is also being tested with that thing and other things as well. Um, and that the great equalizer is the day of judgment and the hereafter. Um, one thing that you guys mentioned, so first of all, have I, have I captured that properly? That's very good. I, you know, I, I might add one thing, you know, when we are comparing ourselves, looking to those who have less than us, but you know, another really good strategy is comparing yourself and, you know, if you have to compare, you know, compare to those who might have less than you. But, um, another strategy is focusing on comparing with yourself. So, you know, like not even comparing yourself with other people. How are you compared to you? How, how are you compared to yourself, uh, like two years ago or five years ago? Because maybe, perhaps, you know, you, it looks like that um, you're not getting as, as many things as you want or you're not progressing in a way that you would like. But if you look back, you know, you know what, two years ago, I was in a really bad place. I have come such a long way, you know, and then you see your own growth. That's what's important. You know, five years ago, before even that, like I was even in a worse situation. Alhamdulillah, now I have this. I have these blessings that Allah has given me. Um because no people, people don't have the same trajectory, but also people reach milestones and different things at, at a different time. And so ultimately, what is important is just looking back at how far you have come and where you want to go, you know. And then when, when we talked about goals earlier, 
turning into a goal. Okay, this is where I'm at now. Alhamdulillah. Like, okay, what do I want of myself in two years or five years? Um, because nobody's life is going to be exactly like yours. And so focusing on, on the own variables in your life and how far you've come actually can be a, a really big um, way to combat low self-esteem, but also protect you from jealousy. Um, if there was one point that I would love to kind of emphasize just before we wrap up, it's the concept of uh, gratitude. Um, my question is, is a very, very simple one. Like, how do I become more grateful? Uh, what are the practical steps of becoming more grateful in my life? Because, you know, for all the things that I can count that that's missing in my life, I can count a lot more that are actually pretty decent and I'm, you know, alhamdulillah, uh, I'm, I should be grateful for. So what, what are the techniques that I need in my life to make me more grateful? Well, one of the most research proven techniques to improve mental health, to help to alleviate um, depression, even anxiety, um, and then naturally to improve gratitude is the technique of three gratitudes. And, um, and this is just the idea that every day you list out in your mind three specific things that you are grateful for. Um, I find it most helpful to look for things that were specific to that day, because then you are scanning your environment for the good rather than scanning your environment for what's lacking. Um, and then I would take it for jealousy. I would take that a step further and I would say, choose your three gratitudes based on the jealousy struggle. So if you know that you're feeling a certain way towards somebody because of the amount of money that they have, or if you feel jealous uh, because of a person's um, marriage, right? These are the two examples we were kind of uh, focusing uh, in on or about their appearances. Let's say those three, then choose your three gratitudes based on those. So find three things in your own marriage that you're grateful for. Find three things that you have been able to um, purchase that you needed, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided for you, even though you might not have that amount of wealth that the other person has, you have what you need in order to, you know, to, to, to live your life. Um, in terms of appearance, three things that you are grateful for with regards to your body, what it's capable of, something that you appreciate about your appearance. So three specific, uh, gratitudes can, um, that's, that's a technique that can, that can definitely, uh, increase, uh, our ability to be grateful. Yeah, gratitude lists, like you said, are a very um, effective ways. You know, there's also something called a, a gratitude visit, which I hadn't heard before. Um, uh, but it, something that um, when we were doing our research for this paper, we, we stumbled upon um, is that, you know, if you if there's a person in your life that you're very grateful for writing a letter of appreciation, and actually reading it to that person um, increases uh, gratitude, but also like a really, really good overall sense of of being. Um, but you know, that's not something you can do very often. Uh, so the general, I think it's called general gratitude. Um, you know, it could be at night or any time of day. Another thing that you can, um, kind of add into the mix are like, what are three things you're looking forward to in the morning? Um, you know, people who struggle with depression or even anxiety, sometimes it's just so hard to get out of bed. And by the way, if you are on social media, if that, if the first thing you do when you wake up is go and go on social media, you're kind of setting yourself up for uh, a pretty rough day and jealousy and all kinds of other things. Um, so instead of picking up your phone and scrolling on face, Facebook or Instagram, starting out the day and saying, what are three things I'm looking forward to? And they don't have to be big things. Sometimes people think they have to be like, really, it doesn't, it could be like your morning coffee. It could be, 
um, you know, texting with your friend during lunchtime. It could be, you know, anything small, um, because it's really the small things that we're grateful for that add up. And, and like we've been talking about, whatever you practice gets easier. So when you start to identify those little things every day that you feel grateful for, um, it's almost like the opposite of disqualifying the, the positives. If we're going to come back f- full circle, like we started out by saying disqualifying the positives is overlooking all of those blessings and just looking at the negatives. But, you know, the antidote in terms of gratitude is starting to hone in on those things that you're really grateful for. Um, and then, and then practicing appreciation. And like Sarah said earlier, whatever, when we're grateful, Allah gives us more. Um, and and that can, that's a very, uh, a good feeling. Yeah. And you know, um, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about how much gratitude is inherent in our worship as well, right? Like the Rasul when he would wake up in the morning, the first du'a that he would say is Alhamdulillah, right? Where he's thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for bringing him back, right? From like the small death of, of sleep. And so that Alhamdulillah, you think about the surah that we recite most frequently is Al-Fatiha. It starts with Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, right? It starts with thanking Allah. Right. Um, when the, one of the du'as the Prophet Sallallahu used to really encourage us to do is Allahumma aini ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik. Like we're asking Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. One of the components that the Rasul Sallallahu in that du'a asks Allah to increase him in is thankfulness. Right. So another gratitude practice that's very powerful is du'a is asking Allah to increase us in gratitude in our ability to thank him and then thanking him for that ability to be able to be grateful because it is it's like this this constant cycle the more that you're able to be grateful the better you feel the more grateful you are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the more thankful you are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for allowing you to be grateful it's this beautiful cycle like we talk a lot about the negative cycles but there are beautiful positive cycles that we can um that we can nurture in ourselves as well inshallah you know, and, and speaking of cycles, um, you know, one of the biggest antidotes to, to jealousy, and this is really hard, especially from like an ego perspective, is making da'a for the person that you're jealous of. Mm. Because, uh, you know, when you make da'a, first Positive you're Positive da'a, of course. Right? You're making, right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Took me a minute. Yes. Positive da'a. Because, you know, um, one, you know, we have, we have our ego and, and sometimes it's like, it's very hard look. Like that sense of entitlement that we talked about, you know, it's like, well, I, why don't I have this? You know, I, I want to have this. Um, but one, so you're kind of putting your ego aside and be like, you know what? Like Allah knows best. May Allah bless them in whatever it is that they have. But the other part, and I, I don't know how have any, like, um, maybe sorry, you know, I don't have any like evidence for this, but you know, I feel like when you do this, shaitan doesn't want you to make du'a for that person and he lets go. And you'll find that you're not actually jealous of that person in the same way that you were before. Because, you know, that's why he tries to, like, be sneaky and get you in, in many different kinds of ways. Um, but now, so you're making du'a for the person. The angels are making du'a for you because when you make du'a for somebody, the angels make du'a for you. And it's almost kind of like defeated shaitan. Like you're seeking the betterment of the person that was an object of your of your envy or your jealousy. SubhanAllah. And you know, shaitan hates it whenever we like engage in an act of worship, right? And so if you know, if you set your intention, like right now, as you're listening to this, that whenever I feel a twinge of jealousy, I'm going to choose to make da'at for that person that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases them in goodness. 
I bet that Shaitan's gonna decrease his like his whispering because he's not gonna want you to do that act of worship. He he wants to take us further from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if your feelings of jealousy can actually bring you closer to Allah, where you are actually using it as a means of of connecting with Allah through du'a, then it's like that's it, the battle is done, right? SubhanAllah. So that's a really powerful idea, mashallah. Sisters, we're going to get into the rapid fire in a few moments. But one final question on jealousy. Um, you met my nine-year-old niece in episode one, season one of Double Take. So she's uh, popping up again and asks you the following question. Uh, she says, aunties, I'm feeling a little bit jealous from my cousins. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Can you help me understand jealousy? and if it's going to be harmful for me as I grow up? Um, I would tell your cousin that, you know, jealousy, it's very common. Everyone experiences feelings of, of jealousy. And, um, you know, however, um, you know, your cousins might have some really good things in their life, but you have some really good things also. And in life, there's always going to be people who have more things or different kinds of things that we want and that's okay but what we want to do is what we, we want to focus on our on ourselves and know that allah created you and for for a purpose that nobody else can fulfill you have positive attributes you have positive things about you and so by focusing on those unique traits that you have it'll take your mind off of your cousins and it'll help you focus on what, what are the things that you want what are the goals that um, you would like to have over the next few years? Um, and then know at the end of the day that ultimately your good deeds is the only thing that's going to matter. All the things that you're going to accumulate as you get older and um, all the wonderful things coming your way, inshallah, are great and, and a really good reason to be grateful and always thank Allah. But know at the end of the day that the only thing that's going to matter in terms of your actions is your good deeds. So just focus on those good deeds. And they will carry you through, inshallah. Beautiful, inshallah. Um, so I would I would tell your your nine year old niece that um, every single person experiences jealousy and very very frequently, and so it's nothing to feel badly about. It's what you do with that feeling that um, makes the difference, inshallah. And that you have a superpower. You have the ability to choose your thoughts. You have the ability to choose what you focus on. And so if you know that doing certain things are, is going to make you focus on your cousin and, you know, the good, the good that she has or her achievements or whatever it is, um, then choose to think about something that you have in your own life. Think about like some questions that you can think of are, what has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala given me that has made me really special? What has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala given me that I love so much? Right? What has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala given me that I just couldn't live without? Right? Those are all gratitude uh, questions. And then also asking yourself, you know, and it's sometimes it can be hard when you're nine to think about this, right? But it's a good time to start. But think about a year from now, will I st still be worried about this thing that my cousin has that I don't, or will it not matter? Right? And then asking yourself, will this matter once the day of judgment comes and I'm standing in front of Allah, will that matter, right? And if you can walk yourself through these questions, 
then you know you you've used your superpower and you've you've decided what to focus on and what to think about and to choose better thoughts that'll make you feel happier inshallah jazakallah khair sister najwa and sister sarah we're going to change gears and jump into the rapid fire you guys uh, are familiar with this part of the uh, the episode it'll be a little bit different this time because we've asked you all the um, off the shelf questions previously so they're all new they're all fresh questions um and you've only got 5 seconds to answer each one bismillah rahman rahim number 1 sister najwa one thing you're grateful for my family easy oh you should i'm so, more i thought i had to get it under 5 seconds <laughs> <laughs> i should be quick um, like jeopardy you know that's good <laughs> no, that's good that was easy um what what's the last book that you were reading that's for me right Yep. Um so the last book I was reading was with my kids we were reading um Roald Dahl's The Witches. Oh, that's awesome. But the movie was so bad. But anyway, sorry. That's oh, I didn't watch that's the movie. revealing too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's better. Um Nejwa, uh you've been in Baltimore, Washington for 15 years. What's the best thing about the people? Uh sorry, what's the best thing about the area that most people don't know? So it's going to take more than 5 seconds but I'm I'm actually I was born and raised in the in the DMV area but I came up to the Baltimore area um about 15 years ago but I would say my hometown is <laughs> is is my favorite thing um Falls Church Virginia they have great food they have um amazing shopping and the people like the Muslim community there is so amazing um but if you're going to talk about Maryland I would say the, the crabs is the big thing here and uh sister Sarah You live in Texas. We um we only watch in in Sydney. We only know of Texas through kind of some some films. What's something that you would say to someone living in Sydney that they're missing out on from Texas? Um I would say the cowboy boots, but they're quite uncomfortable, so you're not missing out on those. <laughs> I'm actually originally from New York, so there's um a different culture here. Mashallah. Um but I would definitely say um like the restaurants are very well known um in Texas and one thing that i absolutely loved when i moved here was the southern hospitality the hus- southern hospitality absolutely um uh blew me away in terms of how polite and kind people were mashallah um a question for you both uh you guys have been on panels you've written articles together you've worked together what's the next big project to come out of sister sarah and sister najwa's minds Well, we are currently working on a parenting series together inshallah. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to be good. And we we were going a certain way and now we think we're going to model it after the trauma series, but we're really looking forward to getting out an Islamic model for parenting inshallah. Yeah, we're really excited. It's kind of like the prequel to the trauma series. Yeah. So, like, you know, trauma was about like, okay, if you've been through, through something traumatic and it's impacted your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, here's some yeah. things to consider. the parenting series is like that how sounds, to protect our kids from trauma inshallah it, uh, i i i understood it the other way i thought you have kids and then you explain what trauma is after that so that would make sense <laughs> that's, that's kind of true <laughs> uh, uh sister jazakallah khair for everything that you're doing and you're covering topics that most people find difficult talking about let alone putting pen to paper um about so thank you so much and thank you so much for writing the article uh that's uh, on the Aqeen Institute website 
why is everyone's life better than me? And that was the article that we used as inspiration for these two episodes. Jazakallah khair. Jazakallah khair for having us. We had a great time. This was great. Jazakallah khair.